who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. That was a great dinner. So great. Wait, where'd you park the car? Oh, the one I just sold at Carvana. What? When did you do that? When you were still looking at the menu. I went on Carvana.com and all I had to do was enter the license plate or VIN, answer a few questions, and got a real offer in seconds. They picked up the car already? No, I parked around the corner. But they are picking it up tomorrow and paying me right on the spot. Oh, no wonder you picked up the check. Yeah, about that, uh... We we're going halfsies. Sell your car to Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds. Hey, everyone. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast. Well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of the. <laughs> oh shit! Where is Shannon? Where is Shannon? What? Where is Shannon? <laughs> Hold on, do it again. Do it again. Of the Geek Buddies. Hey. 
That's right. We are Shannon List today. My man is <coughs> our man is working hard at Universal Studios, uh, putting together something fun for people to go and visit in the park. So he cannot join us today. He will be joining us for our live spoiler review of the Kenobi finale, 7:30 p.m. PT tomorrow night. If you're watching this when we're dropping this episode on Wednesday, it is Thursday, 7:30 p.m. PT live here on the Outlaw Nation channel. He will be back for that along with Laura Kelly and these two handsome faces as well i am one of them i am the outlaw john roca writer producer host here on the outlaw nation mikey i am michael vogel writer and producer of animated tv shows and movies where you might have seen my name at the end of such credits as young justice my little pony and stretch armstrong <laughs> let's see how i try to do i try i try to do my that's my that's my take on uh on a mcclungism i'm gonna do yeah. all the mcclungisms today that's a good one. I I'll like try and come that. up with some really awful jokes, and then I'll like give you a look that's like, eh, was it eh? good? And then eh? we'll go like, no, not so much. <laughs> was it, though? Was it, though? <laughs> was it? <laughs> but we're going to get into all kinds of things here. And, of course, Carbon Health. we got to give a lot of love to Carbon Health, who powers and sponsors us here on the Outlaw Nation and the Geek Buddies specifically. They've been so great to sponsor us over these last few months, and they keep powering us going forward. They're an awesome, awesome healthcare company. If you haven't checked them out, Go to CarbonHealth.com and see what they've got available to you. If you've got healthcare questions, concerns, or needs, they can address them virtually or in person. They've got all kinds of testing uh, uh, done here for COVID. We do see the numbers coming up, even though they're loosening the mask requirements. The numbers are still going up, so you got to get tested. you got to make sure you're okay. They offer at-home kits that they sell there in those clinics as well, and they want to create a healthcare plan that is specific for you. They've even, they've even got a doc an app that you can have a doc in your pocket, essentially a doctor in your pocket, an app you can download from Carbon Health uh, from the app store there and put it in any healthcare questions or concerns or needs that pop up randomly throughout your day. You can check that app and see if you can get some answers there as well. So shout out to them. Uh, but anyway, this is how the show works. Each of us brings up a geek news item. We usually have three, but we'll do three, but we'll just kind of take turns. Then we'll take a big break and uh, jump into our mini break rather and jump into our big story which is talking about Kevin Feige's comments about the future of the MCU and what we think he might be teasing and what we might be seeing at Comic-Con and at D23. So, uh, Mikey, uh, start us off. Oh, no, wait. Yeah, I'll start oh, no. us off here, man. You Let's start us off. Yeah. He does Mikey. this right before the show starts. He tells me what the run of show is going to be, and then we get on the show, and he's like, okay, you start. And I'm like, that is not that is not what we just discussed, but hey, whatever you want, you're the boss. No, where's the, listen, I just get caught up sometimes in introducing <laughs> everything, so I apologize. <laughs> But let's jump into it here. The Flash uh, comes out on June 23rd, 2023, Mike. But we got some new information here from a report that dropped on Friday here on Deadline. A number of people talking about this report and on Rolling Stone that it seems that Warner Brothers is indicating that no matter what happens with Ezra Miller going forward, whether he gets into any other incidents or doesn't, he they are not coming back to play The Flash in any future installments in the DC Universe. That seems to be implied from this article. And look, David Zaslav, has his hands full, Michael. He's got he, with uh, with uh, the Flash movie here. It's gonna. It was. It was. Fe it's featuring the return of Michael Keaton as Batman. Ben Affleck coming back as well. A two hundred million dollar budget and Andy Muschietti directing this thing. Zaslav came in and killed Wonder Twins immediately. Apparently, according to the Deadline, they have tried to get help for for Ezra Miller, but there is no advancement on that. They keep getting into these incidences, and the most recent one involves a twelve year old. Here, the Daily Beast reported this, that there was a temporary harassment prevention order this week from a 12-year-old and a mother in Greenland, Massachusetts, against Ezra Miller, who allegedly menaced the family and acted inappropriately towards the non-binary child. We told you about the uh, the incident that happened with uh, Dakota Iron Eyes last week, I believe, and uh, they issued a statement, uh, uh, Dakota did, 
about the defending Ezra Miller uh, about uh, about their interactions. But uh, Dakota's parents are not in that camp and had issues with those interactions as well. Uh, and of course, you remember the attack on uh, on uh, the young girl in, in Reykjavik in Iceland, uh, what happened there. Uh, and Deadline p- uh, posits this, Mike, because we want to bring it up here, uh, they, that uh, Zaslav might have several choices. He can pull back on heavily promoting the film, confining it to some uh, P&A and no publicity tour. He can relegate it to streaming with HBO Max and take a write down or lean in toward making the movie a hit and then drop Miller if they can't straighten things out like they did with Johnny Depp in the Fantastic Beasts franchise. So, uh, Mike, what's your thoughts on this uh, with these proposals that Deadline has laid out? You've been in these uh, conversations. You've been in these war rooms and these in these studios. What do you anticipate or what do you think about this new report that Ezra Miller is done now as the Flash after this movie? I mean, it's tough. I mean, like, and we've talked about this before, but like, mm. you know, it, it seems like with every new story that comes out, every new uh, piece of information people learn, just it gets harder and harder and harder for DC and Warner Brothers to figure out how to navigate this. I mean, yeah. we've already talked about the the concept of recasting, uh, recasting them and bringing in a new Flash, is just probably cost prohibitive at this point. Like, it's not right. possible. Um, I'm sure that there's a big part of them, uh, Warner Brothers in DC, that would like to do that. But given that that's not an option, they're really screwed because per those suggestions, like, I don't think that Warner Brothers in DC can afford to kind of push this one under the rug. Mm. This is not a movie. This is not like, I'll give you an example. It would be one thing to push, uh, let's say, Eternals. Okay. Under the rug okay. at Marvel. Like they have plans for Eternals. They have places it could go, but it it has like it's not a keystone of the Marvel universe, at least right. not yet. Like it's not one of the core characters. Right. It's not the huge movie. Marvel would have a much have a much bigger problem pushing like Infinity War or Endgame under the rug. Mm-hmm. That's a giant movie. Right. And by all intents, given the cast, given the Batman trade-off, given everything they're doing, this movie was set up, and we've talked about this a ton, this movie yeah. was set up to sort of course correct the DC universe. Right. Yes. And so now you have the lead of your movie that is supposed to course correct your universe and kind of get you back on track to be competitive with Marvel and everything else that's out there. Yeah. And they are not, they're causing more problems than they're worth at this point. And so what do you do? And so, like, you run the risk either way. Like, if you keep Ezra Miller in this movie, but you've sort of – it's out of the bag now that they might not be in any movies going forward, do people kind of not care about this movie as much? Do people say, well, I don't want to go see this one. Like, I know Ezra Miller is getting recast. They're not going to be in these movies anymore. I'll just wait and see where things go. Um, So you run a big risk of that. But if you don't say anything – there's been so much uproar about Ezra Miller's behavior and all these stories that if you don't say anything and you're like, well, we're just going to stay the course, yeah. you run the risk of people boycotting the movie because they don't like Ezra Miller. So you're sort of screwed either way you go. And probably this is the best thing. I don't think they're going to not promote the movie. I don't think you're going to put you know, Michael Keaton's triumphant return to Batman yeah. and you're going to be like, oh, let's just put it on HBO Max and not really talk about it. Like this movie is designed to be talked about. You want to promote this movie big. You want to make it a huge deal. But doing a movie on this scale and having your lead actor, someone who you probably don't want doing the press tour, if they even show up, if you can even find them. Like, it's such a huge issue for them. And I'm sure that this is causing everyone at Warner Brothers in DC uh, a whole, a whole lot of stress right now because it's, 
it's the worst possible combination to yeah. have the lead of your movie be this um in the news and not for the best reasons yeah yeah while you have a movie that you are putting a lot of bank on to sort of get you back on track yeah and you find this uh, phenomenal too uh, mike because they aren't coming out to do interviews like ezra has not like there's no pr launch and pr campaign like let me do the interviews let me correct some things let me get out there in front of some of these stories they seem to be just sitting back and absorbing this. And maybe that's the strategy that Warner Brothers has laid down. Don't say a word. Stay in the back. It'll eventually blow over. I've heard that for controversies from the bottom to the top, that that's a logical decision to make. I was watching We Crash. You know, I covered it on the HCA channel, and that was one of the things that the head of We Crash ignored. He ignored sitting back, letting the Wall Street Journal tear him to pieces for a, a few weeks, and then, boom, they would just keep resuming because people forget, people move on. But with this, it seems like there's just constant uh, stream of incidences that are happening, and the fact that they aren't coming out to do interviews and get ahead of it and talk about it and go on Dateline and cry about it or go on Dateline and claim to be the victim of this, all this stuff, like there's avenues I think that they are not exploiting here that maybe could turn the narrative around a little bit because we're only getting one side of the story. We're not hearing Ezra Miller's side of the story of these situations. And I'm not saying that they're wrong to make these convictions as 12, 18 year old, 12 year olds and 18 year olds. That, that's pretty dangerous territory. But maybe there's something here to kind of give us a better perspective of what was going on here. Um, and you gave us some great perspective last week about what might be going on in these in the situation with the 18 year old. So we don't know what the situation is fully with the 12 year old. So I just find this to be fascinating. But at this point, yeah, you're right. Like you, you can't put this person out on a on a on a press tour um, in any way, shape or form. And you got to come out strong. But if you come out strong, you're coming after a younger kid, a younger person as well in Ezra Miller. How does that look as a studio? Uh, you know, with Johnny, it was different. Johnny's a man of age. That's different. But you've come after a guy, a person rather who seems a little troubled or having some troubled stuff going on. You look like you're punching down, and that's not good for the studio either. So you're, this is a minefield and a half. And we haven't even talked about the Amber Heard situation. We haven't talked about the other stuff going on with DC, like what they're trying to navigate here. The, a a mu movie musical with Lady Gaga. Let's just throw that out in the mix. Why not? Of the Joker, the Joker sequel. So there's so much here that Zaslav seems are, to have inherited. So it's a lot. All right. I mean, look, I and look, I know that I dog on DC a lot. I would love DC to get some kind of plan together and <laughs> have us all be super excited about where DC is going and conjecturing about, oh, is Black Adam going to show up with Shazam here? Is Henry Cavill coming back because they made this hint? Like, it would be great to have those conversations. But yeah. John, you're, you're right. Like, right now, the Warner Brothers DC conversations consist of, hey, guys, are we going to cut Amber out of Aquaman 2? What are we going to do about The Flash? I guess we're doing a musical for Joker too. Like, it's just like, they are, they're really, uh, and look, it could all go great. Like everything right. could turn out great for them. Like, you know, I mean, I think the best case scenario. Oh, and one more thing, Mike, the persistent Superman people go, where is right. Superman? Where is Superman? So that's another thing. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you're right. I, I mean, and I think that, I think that for them, the best case, I mean, look, I guess the best, best case scenario right now mm. is that, Ezra Mel Ezra uh, checks themselves in to some yeah. kind of facility, seeks some help, clears things up for themselves, comes back out, says, listen, I was in a dark place. We get a little bit of explanation. And by the yeah. time the Flash movie comes out, we've all kind of gone, okay, we're good. Yeah. Assuming that doesn't happen, their best case scenario really is like, let's have this movie come out and hope to God 
that the movie is good enough and the Michael Keaton of it all and yes. the Supergirl of it all is big enough to get people excited. And then let's just let Ezra go and make a big deal out of the brand new Flash. Yeah, you wonder if there's if there is there footage or there scenes they could write that could take a little bit more of the impetus off of the Flash and make it more of a Michael Keaton film. Is there a way to bring him in? But they're so deep into post production. This is coming out in just a few months, Mike. So I mean, it seems like there's no turning around. They've got the film that they've got, and shooting more stuff will just delay the release of the film overall. So it's just it's just fascinating because we are not that far away from getting this thing. Was it like? june 23rd so uh, yeah well i guess we're a year away so yeah a few months a year yeah yeah so do you think that's possible that they could rewrite some scenes get it done in post-production in time with cgi and all that stuff going on to maybe take some of the scenes from ezra and move them over to michael keaton and make him a little more the focus even though you're still calling it the flash movie could you do that you could for sure i mean anything is possible what Making, we talk a lot about reshoots. You know, Marvel, yeah. Kevin Feige says this all the time. Every time we hear that a, Kevin, a Marvel movie is in reshoots, everyone goes, oh God, it's in reshoots. And Kevin Feige's like, look, that's how we make movies. Like we watch the movie, yeah. what's working, what's not working. When you make changes to your script and your story because the story's not working and you want to make it better, that's good. Yeah. When you look at your movie and you go, hey, this is the story we wanted to tell, but now there's all these outside things. Let's go in and try and like make it more one person's movie than another. That's when you start making changes that yeah. like run the risk of people going like, the fuck was this? <laughs> you come out of the movie, you're like, was that weird to you guys? Like this was all happening. And then all of a sudden Michael Keaton just kind of became his movie. Like what happened? Yeah, it's like Brave, two separate movies when you go see that thing. It's yeah, sure. it's exactly yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, it could possibly be like that. So we'll, we'll see, but it seems pretty clear from a lot of the sources and from Deadline's reporting and Rolling Stone's reporting that Ezra is done at this point uh, as the Flash after this. So what we'll see, Mike, as you said, Hollywood is full of people who kind of go off the deep end or get into some troubles and then go and do some therapy, go and do some rehab, and the public is forgiving, especially when they're younger, especially when they're younger. Remember, Bieber was... Someone people hate it, and Bieber's found a way to kind of turn himself around. And now a lot of people have a lot of sympathy with the the stuff he's going through, with the illness that he's going through. So you know it can change. Young, we have more patience with young people as, as long as they show an effort to change. And maybe that will be coming down the road for Ezra. We shall see. Um, all right, well let's move on to a Marvel project. What have you got here, Mike? Marvel adjacent. adjacent. Let's just call sure. it Marvel adjacent. I didn't say MCU. Um, I said Marvel. You did, yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, it's a Marvel pro, a Marvel project. But yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> Aaron Taylor Johnson, a Variety reports uh, at uh, Cine Europe conference. He was talking about playing Craven in Sony slash Marvel's big Craven uh, movie that's coming up. That's been announced. Yeah. Um, and Aaron Taylor Johnson described Craven as one of Marvel's most iconic, notorious anti-heroes, Spider-Man's number one rival. First of all, we could debate that in a second. But he says he's just a hunter, a human with conviction, an animal lover, and a protector of the natural world. He's a very, very cool character. Um, <laughs> so this quote got a lot of people on the internet talking because based on most people's understanding of the character of Craven the Hunter... Whose name yep. is Craven, the hunter, <laughs> um, the animal lover and protector of the natural world is not yep. top of mind when you are trying to describe who this guy is. Now, clearly, 
Aaron Taylor Johnson is referring to the way that Sony uh, is, is yeah. taking this character for their movie. So it kind of gives us a little bit of a hint of the direction they're going. Because in keeping with Venom and Morbius and everything, the Spider-Man rogues galleries of villains are, in the way that Sony is handling them, not so much villains as anti-heroes. And so yeah. when you have a character like Kraven the Hunter, who is known for hunting, um, clearly they are changing this so that he is more of a protector of animals, uh, and hunting probably the men who are hunting the animals. Right. And so look, I mean, I don't, I don't blame Aaron Taylor Johnson for this. It's very funny because <laughs> if you look at a lot of the memes coming out, like just people are like Craven pet detective, Craven <laughs> animal lover. Like what, where, what is this? Um, but it also yeah. just does sort of underscore, you know, we're, we're just talking about DC's troubles and DC troubles yeah. with all the casting and the issues they're dealing with. But this is, in Sony's, I won't say troubles because Venom is a huge blockbuster for them. It made lots sure. of money. A lot of you guys and girls listening to us really enjoy that movie. God love you. Um, Morbius, less people love. But like with this Craven thing, it's like, how long can they go taking all of these villains, tweaking them to be more heroic, Man. and then eventually if the rumors are to be believed are going to bring in a Spider-Man who then has to fight the heroic villains. Like yeah. where, where does this all go? It's Johnny, really what do you, confused. what do you think about Craven, Craven, um, the warm and cuddly, <laughs> adorable, fuzzy animal lover and protector of the natural world. Listen, between the two of us, no one is a bigger fan than Cra of Craven the Hunter than me. I've said this very strongly and I agree with Aaron Taylor Johnson's point. I think in Craven's mind, he is Spider-Man's number one rival. Whether Spider-Man agrees or not, certainly Green Goblin fans will disagree. Uh, but like in his mind, I can believe that. So maybe that's where Aaron Tyler. I mean, Aaron, sure. Taylor Green Goblin up. fans or Venom fans or, Venom or fans. Doc Ock fans sure. or Carnage fans yeah. or, you know, we could just keep going down that list. <laughs> but this this is not a, a conservationist. I just want to put that out on the table. <laughs> I mean, the man is wearing a lion's head skin split into spikes on his belt, cheetah or leopard leotards, for God's sakes, that, with a rifle, with a high-powered rifle and a scope on it. So, yeah, you're right, Mike. They, once again, they've gone the path of the anti-hero with these villains, villains from the Spider-Man universe. And look, I have been open-minded about going to see these movies. I've hated all of them, all three of them. Well, yeah, Morbius wasn't as bad as people think. Uh, Venom wasn't was, and Venom the first two movies were terrible. I know. I, know. Uh, I will defend Morbius a little bit. The both of Venoms are, are terrible, but I think there was a better movie in Morbius, uh, a more contemplative movie that just got lost in Matt Smith uh, and Jared Leto, and, I, and it's a shame. It's a shame. But the Craven one, I mean, if they mess this up, dude, you know I'm going to lose my mind. And if it's going to well, be another one of these 90 we minutes... Should, we should go ahead and prepare for you to lose your mind. <laughs> yeah, fine. Another one of these 90-minute schlock fests like they've done with Venom and Morbius, I will be so supremely disappointed. And, um, you know, I, I don't know why... I, I don't know the the reason of this, because Craven has never shown an impetus to be a conservationist in it, or an animal lover, or a vegan even, if, if that might be in play here at all so you're right we're, we're probably going to see scenes of him going after poachers or going after. so is he hunting men is it somehow okay to yeah. hunt humans but it's not okay to hunt animals it's like, okay I to just, hunt i mean it I is i mean that's like look, called the hunter as you said when you're going to take a bad guy yeah and make the bad guy or girl uh, the bad the bad character when you're going to take the bad character and you're going to make them the lead of the movie right 
they can still break the law. They can still be, uh, uh, you know, a villain in quotes. Yeah. But we have to like them and sort of approve of their villainy. It's the reason that Selena Kyle kind of became the protector of her neighborhood in uh-huh. the Batman comics. Yeah, you know, right. She just, like early, early Catwoman was just like, I like pretty objects. I'm going to steal them. I'm a bad guy. Right. She sort of became, oh, I'm protecting the people of Gotham that nobody else is protecting. And so she was still allowed to steal things. She yeah. was still allowed to go after jewels and take money and go on heists. But she became a character that we were rooting for. Right. Um, you know, even Poison Ivy to a degree has gone on that journey from being like an eco-terrorist to an eco-terrorist, but an eco-terrorist who's like, I protect the environment. And you're still like, yeah, okay, this works. So they're clearly going that way with Craven because you can't have the lead of your movie going and shooting a bunch of endangered animals in Africa. Like that's yeah. not going to fly. Right. You can have the lead of your movie go and shoot the people that are shooting endangered animals. And we're all like, yeah, I approve of that. Yeah. So I understand like in a vacuum, this decision is not the cra- as crazy as everyone on Twitter is making fun of it to be. Right. When you look at the bigger picture of what Sony is doing with their series of sort of ant- Spidey anti-hero rogues gallery movies, yeah. it's a series of decisions that although each one individually sort of makes sense for the movie that it's in, when you try and look at where it's going to go and how to, what is the sum and is it bigger than the sum of its parts? Like it doesn't, it doesn't add up to something that's going to be really satisfying for fans because ultimately what you're going to end up having to do is either have every single one of these characters have a change of heart and just become villains, right? Which will be weird after you've done all this work for them or Spider-Man and, Craven and Vulture and Morbius and Venom and whoever else are all going to team up to fight somebody. You know what I mean? Like those are really your two major options. So it's just going to be really interesting to see where all of this goes, assuming that these movies continue to be successful. Yeah. In Spider-Man No No Way Home, Mike, we saw a version of the Sinister Six and what would happen if you have like one go on Spidey's side and what happens with the other ones who you know kind of get con- convinced to be evil and Sandman, who was basically like, I just want to get to my daughter. So however, how the hell, the hell I get home to my daughter, that's all I care about. So it was, in, that was more interesting because you had different points of view slamming into each other and the, the sides they took made sense uh, with yeah. the way they presented this. I think you're absolutely right. Turning them all into antiheroes and then finally bringing a Spider-Man with its Andrew Garfield or somehow you convince Toby to come back. Then it becomes, uh, so why are they the sinister six in any way, shape or form? Um, unless you do some kind of well, mind controlling thing, which I think would be such a cop well, out. After oh, that's all. Yeah, mind control is always a cop out. But like to your example, and this is yeah. where I get a little bit worried about it. I do think No Way Home did such an amazing job. Look, most people agree that Spider Man Three, yeah, not a great movie, and a lot of people agree that even though they love Raimi's original Spider Man, that Green Goblin, our Power Ranger Green Goblin, is not necessarily anybody's favorite. Right, right. But what they did in No Way Home is they managed to take all of those characters, and if you watch. Spider-Man 1, if you watch Spider-Man 3, if you watch any of the Andrew Garfield movies, each one of those characters came into No Way Home and their personality and their motivation was exactly what their motivation was. Whether or not anyone on the No Way Home um, creative team was like, I like Spider-Man 3 or I hate Spider-Man 3, they took took Sandman's character and the fact that he was in love with his daughter and that's what he cared about and that was motivation and they kept that. Yeah. When you look at the end credit sequence in Morbius and the vulture shows up 
And the last that we saw of the Vulture, he was like, I'm not going to say anything about Spider-Man's identity because he, you know, he did, he, he did write, I know who he is, he's friends with my daughter, all of the reasons he did. And then he just shows up in another universe and he was like, why don't we all get together and fight Spider-Man? And it's not even the Spider-Man that he knows. It's like, this is where you start to go. I feel like we're having a breakdown in character logic. Yeah. It's, it starts to become 1980s comic books and not like comic books that we see now, which have a little more logic and, and knowledge to them uh, and a little more depth to them. No, no offense. And I, I'm sure we had some great 1980s ones, but there also were some ones that were like, well, since you're Spider-Man and I'm Vulture, I must fight you. And, you know, right. and there's a little more. We're, we require a little bit more nowadays. For sure. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right, let's move on to our next subject here, Mike. You got this one. What do we got? I do. We've got trailers, trailers, just two. Um, we have two trailers today to talk to you about here at the Geek Buddies. We've got some fun things coming here on Geek Buddies Trailers Central. That's how I think Shannon talks in my head. I think he does. Um, yeah. First up, as well. <laughs> uh, Netflix released this week uh, their big trailer for the second half um meaning two episodes of Stranger <laughs> Things season 4. However, those two episodes rack up to about 4 hours total, so we have a ton of Stranger Things content coming for this big epic conclusion to season 4. And I got to say, if you weren't already excited for these two episodes that were coming out on July 1st, this trailer would have gotten you real real hyped. Uh Johnny, I without even going into like what's in the trailer specifically, I know you did a trailer reaction. What were your thoughts? Uh, just a hundred percent loved it. Like loved it because you were get you know, they did a great job of laying the groundwork over to everybody is over those first seven episodes. And now that we've done that, we take a breath, all of us collectively take a breath, and now we're ready to go back under the breach to see what happens here. And it felt I described it in my trailer reaction. This felt like the Empire Strikes Back season before we get the Return of the Jedi season in in ep- in season five, because we get Vecna saying you know your friends are lost there's nobody to get we hear uh, uh robin say maya hawk saying i don't think we're gonna get out of this and a lot right. of people already speculating that steve's gonna die that the reason they're bringing steve closer to nancy back into that possibility in people's minds is so that the death of steve in sacrifice to save everybody will be even more resonant and we we almost had sadie sink max die in the first seven episodes so that's a possibility and we have 11 at the end of this thing after uh, Matthew Modine is telling her, you know, you you don't have the strength yet, you don't have the power yet, blah, blah, blah. We see her having this massive battle with Vecna and the explosion and all of that. So coming out of this, I'm even more jazzed than I was already to see what we're going to get. And in the Duffer Brothers, I trust. So I, I'm, I'm uh, yeah. blown away, dude. Two hours and 20 minutes for that finale. An hour something for the for the uh, for the sixth episode, eighth episode. Eighth it's going to yeah. be a hell of a thing to watch, man. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Duff, and Duffer Brothers, we trust. Uh, you did leave out the biggest star oh, of apologize. the trailer, yes. though. Uh, Kate Bush. Yeah. Well, yes, Kate Bush. I I am I am ninety percent sure they recut that trailer. What I I probably they they had that trailer ready to go. They knew the yeah. content they were going to get in there. And I think after the reaction that the uh that the kate bush vecna max episode got they were like get get the fucking remix in here we gotta we gotta get the song we gotta get the song that song yeah is the song of the summer if you are a geek like i cannot every time i hear that song i get the chills that trailer came on kate bush i was in it I have been talking on Twitter. I have been talking to friends about what my Vecna song would be, so that I am so that everyone is prepared. If I start floating, what to do? Um, yeah, I, I I am with you. Like I, 
I I would say that like I feel and I, I feel this way a lot. And you know, like mm. I, uh, when you have a brand or a universe or a movie series, TV series, whatever it is, where you are so uh, implicitly like you trust the creators so much. Yeah, that's where I'm at with Stranger Things. Like I I know that a lot of people feel like season two was a bit of a dip. I can see where that yeah, is true, sure. but. Season three came back strong. Season four has been kick-ass. And yeah. knowing that this is all building to whatever season five is going to be to wrap this up, yeah. I think, like, all bets are off. I do feel like we're in an Empire Strikes Back kind of place. I am at a point where, like, I feel like almost anybody could go in these next yeah. two episodes. Like, I think anything is on the table to set us up for picking up those pieces in season five and seeing where we go. And I cannot wait. And two things real quick. I, I did some research on the running up the hill. Kate owns the song. Kate owns the publishing rights. She's essentially making, from what I read, 250,000 pounds a week or, or a month, rather, uh, from the residuals of that song because it's exploded. Yeah. Instead. Can you imagine? I mean, can you honestly imagine? You've been just living your life. You had you were you were big in the 80s. You're yeah. probably doing fine. You do some concerts here and there. You're probably not doing horrible, but you're like, life is just going on. And all of a sudden, you're yeah. just like, hey, by the way, here's just like the money truck. Yeah. Like, yeah. More power to her. I'm happy Absolutely. for her. And one last um, thing. Oh, yeah. So, uh, one no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Will, Will has a line here. It tells Mike that Vecna won't stop until he's taken everyone. And I've started to see people say that it was actually Vecna who took Will in season one and that it's been Vecna the whole time with the uh, upside down. And this is the final move. And he's going to, as you said, take out some people. As I said, the Empire Strikes Back. And then in fi season five is going to be the battle of all battles to end it all. The Helm's Deep to end it all uh, yeah. in this uh, situation. So what do you think? Do you think that, do you think people are reading into that line or do you think Will, it, that there might be some truth to that, that Vecna was the one who took Will in season one? I think there, I think that it'll be interesting to see because now that we know, because, uh, and anyone who is a bigger Stranger uh, Things fan than me can probably correct me, but like, mm. we know we had the Demigorgon was kind of like our big bad at the beginning, yeah. but like the Demigorgon is kind of just like the, uh, you know, the attack dog or whatever. Right. And they've referred to Vecna in the first part of season four as sort of the Mind Flare's general. But the Mind Flare is still, as far as I know, the big, big bad that we don't, right. like, like even when um, Vecna as number one got sent into uh the upside down at the you know when 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 that happened back in yeah. the day yeah how he became what he became and why he has is doing what he's doing and is this for the mind flare like there's still a couple of pieces that need to be put in there but because he's been there the whole time he very well could have been i mean i think they i think they are doing a really good job of tying everything together and kind of explaining a lot of things that hadn't been explained up to this point mm -hmm. and to your point john if we are going to go into season five kind of knowing the lay of the land and it is going to be the Helm's Deep, I do think we probably have a couple other big reveals in these last two episodes that are going to like fill in some of those puzzle pieces. So yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't, I mean, people are always looking into too much in trailers. It's <laughs> what we do. It's why you guys all listen to us when we watch these things and talk about them. True. But I don't think that that's a out of left field uh, theory. So yeah. I think it could be. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see and we will find out oh, in yeah. just a few days because it's coming uh, July 1st on Netflix. July 1st. <laughs> Um, and if that is not enough summer fun for you, our second trailer, uh, which uh, I know we're all very excited for, is Lego Star Wars Summer Vacation coming to Disney Plus August 5th. Um, they dropped the full trailer. And just like all the other Lego Star Wars stuff that has been coming out on Disney Plus, um, it's just a goddamn delight is what it is. <laughs> uh, you know, they do a really great job of kind of taking whichever trilogy is your favorite trilogy 
you are well represented. And for the summer vacation, if you're a Weird Al fan, you're also represented <laughs> because he is also in this thing. So, look, summer's wrapping up. Finn is really worried about losing touch with his friends. They go on a summer vacation on a Halcyon, Crips, uh, a Halcyon Star Cruiser, which if you're paying attention, is the exact same Star Cruiser that you can go on vacation to in Orlando if you do Disney oh, yeah, Galactic right. Cruiser. Yeah. Um, so nice little plug there. And while he is doing that, he is visited by Obi-Wan Kenobi's ghost, and we get some classic trilogy, we get some original trilogy, we get some prequel trilogy, we get a little bit of everything. Everyone's represented, and we see everyone's vacation, including Darth Vader and Palpatine, taking a little beach vacay on Scarif. So um, with, with tropical porgs, which yes. everyone is losing their shit about. <laughs> so we've got Max Rebo, we've got Lando Calrissian, we've got Ray, we've got Poe, we got Finn, we got Obi-Wan Kenobi in a Hawaiian t-shirt and Jabba the Hutt wearing a birthday hat. John, what do you think? I mean, you know, I've said this since the first Lego Star Wars one has come out. They have they do such a great job of walking that line between parody and respect. And they it's like the Obi-Wan, I'm sorry, the C3PO one that they did. I watched all those that were great. Uh, I really just enjoy their approach to it. You know, love the Halloween one, love the Christmas one. So why not? Summer vacation, let's do it. I love that, of course, just like always, a Vader is in service of the Emperor and has to put on the sunscreen on the Emperor. That's hilarious to me. But also, this, you know, this is. You want to appeal to the younger kids, and younger kids are going through the summer break. They're going to eventually, you know, kind of, oh, damn, it's it's over. we got to separate or do whatever. So you're going to appeal to the kids really well with something like this. And, again, like Star Wars did, and we're not going to spoil anything, like Star Wars did all through that finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi. They're dropping some nice little hints of the lessons that they're going to be trying to teach you as you're watching uh, this episode. So it looks like a lot of fun. And, once again, parodying i mean jabba doing the worm i mean for god's sakes it just all of it is just hilarious which is like a little bit of a shot as george lucas and the uh, and coming back to put him into a, a new hope so i love this whole thing uh, and i dig the vibe and i'm so happy they make these because it's a great way to kind of just relax and enjoy the franchise in something like this that just puts a smile on your face and doesn't make, take itself too seriously yes yeah. No, 100% agree. I, I love this. I know, I mean, I know for a lot of kids, Lego was their introduction to Star Wars. I mean, yeah, a lot of right. kids, they see the Lego Star Wars stuff before they get to see um, live action Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that Disney is kind of carrying these on, and look, I think because Star Wars is so varied and you have your different jumping off points, you have your original trilogy, you have your prequel trilogy, you yeah. have your new trilogy fans, and there's, and we all fight with each other all day on Twitter, and we all get all incensed at the everyone else, and we all get crazy about it. So I like that the Lego Star Wars is a place where we can all come together, put away our quibbles for a few minutes, and just enjoy the thing that we enjoy. So I am definitely looking forward to it and cannot wait to check it out. Put away our porks. That's for sure. Um, all, right. <laughs> all right. Well, let's take a quick break and we're going to jump into our main topic, talking, talking what Kevin Feige revealed in a recent interview about the future of the MCU. We'll be right back right after this. He works hard for the money. <laughs> so hard for the money. Uh, 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 uh. McClung works hard for the money. So you better treat him right. Mm. Mm -mm. Mm. It's a good pride moment from Birdcage. I respect it. I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> I figured since Shannon was working, we had to give him a little, uh, you know, Perfect. he's working hard for his money. So he got it. He's out there uh, raptor training right now. <laughs> Rap training. Eh, 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 eh. Eh, eh. Um, all right. 
let's move on here. All right, so here's the deal with the main topic. We're talking about Kevin Feige's comments here. Uh, this is came, this came to us from Total Film Magazine. He was doing an interview, uh, and he was he said that the MCU's direction will start in the the clarity about it will start in the quote coming months. And here's the full quote: As we're nearing the end of Phase Four, and look, we've gotten a lot of phase four for sure here michael we've got we've gotten so much already and now we've got these other things coming up thor love and thunder black panther wakanda forever ant-man and the wasp quantum mania gardens of the galaxy volume three the marvels and on the tv side ms marvel she hulk and secret invasion and we're going to see amon Vellani showing up in the marvels we're going to see jonathan kang uh, as kang the conqueror showing up in the ant-man film so there is so much plus there's rumors about a fantastic four or oh, they're working on fantastic Four. there's no idea of like when that might be coming out so there's all of that going on so kevin but people have criticized the fact that they felt like this phase hasn't had like that build to the infinity saga hasn't right. had a, a real direction and real clarity so Kevin, maybe hearing people's comments and and, and uh, issues on this, uh, said, quote, as we're nearing the end of phase four, I think people will start to see where this next saga is going or saga is going, depending on how you pronounce it. I think there have been many clues already that are at least apparent to me of where this whole saga is going. But we'll be a little more direct about that in the coming months to set a plan so audiences who want to see the bigger picture can see a tiny, tiny bit more of the roadmap. So, Mike... You've been an executive. This is like brilliant words by Kevin Feige to say, you know, I see what's happening. Well, of course, you see what's happening. You're in charge of it. But him saying a tiny, tiny bit, it's probably going to be more than a tiny, tiny bit. That's going to let us know what's happening. And some have been pontificating. Variety said that, uh, you know, we've seen America Chavez. We've seen Kate Bishop. We've seen Kid Loki. We've seen Eli Bradley. We've seen Billy Maxwell, Tommy Maxwell, Cassie Lang, and, of course, um, uh, King the Conqueror. Could, this could be new Young Avengers, which we've all been talking about for quite some time. And a lot of people think we might be heading towards Secret Wars, the most recent version that came out in 2015, which dealt with Battle World and Earth 616 slamming into uh, uh, the other Marvel, uh, the other Earth uh, uh, 1610, and all of that happening there. So, Mikey, what do you think about the words from Kevin Feige here? And where do you anticipate we might be going here in this phase four? Well, again, he's smart. He's smart. Uh, you know, we have said this, I think, in every Marvel movie and Marvel TV show that we have reviewed in Phase 4, yeah. I think that the further in we've gone, we've said it. I think we said it when we were talking about Thor, Love and Thunder trailer. We keep saying, look, this is all great. We're not really sure where we're going. Yeah. it's a We're getting to the point where we're getting a little restless. It's not as clear as the Infinity Gauntlet. We're certainly not the only ones that have been saying that. And Marvel right. and Disney and Kevin Feige have seen that. So coming out and in this interview that has just, like, swept the internet saying oh yeah, we're about to kind of figure out where phase four is going. Like, it's smart because for all of the people, myself included, who are like, look, I'm on board. I'm on the Marvel train. Don't know where these tracks are going, but I'm on board, but I really want to know where these tracks are going. Now I'm like, okay, we're going to find out. And we know that Marvel is going to be at Comic-Con. Yes. Um, we know that D23 is coming up in September. And much like they did at the last Comic-Con in D23, if you remember, um, there was a lot of people that felt like Marvel wasn't going to say a lot at Comic-Con because we knew right. they were going to D23. But they came to Comic-Con. Uh, they brought Mahershala Ali out as Blade. They announced Fantastic Four was coming. They had a whole bunch of announcements. They brought a bunch of people out on stage. Yeah. And they still had more stuff to reveal at D23. So I kind of feel like they're going to do a little bit of that same one-two punch. Mm -hmm. um, like they might bring out the cast of Fantastic Four at Comic-Con, but then give us a big reveal of some huge new thing. Like So there's a lot that they could do. Um, so I think it's very smart on his part. And I think it's very smart of them to use 
most likely probably wherever we end up with Thor Love and Thunder at the end, plus Comic-Con, plus D23 to sort of set the stage. And yes, I think that, look, I think Young Avengers is definitely on the table. We've been saying that every single time. They're clearly building that team. Um, But I think the issue with phase four is that they've been doing a little bit of everything. There's a mystery around the 10 rings, which also probably ties into the mystery around Miss Marvel's bangle in Miss Marvel. Um, We've had, we've had the, this reveal of the Eternals and these big planets and Arishem kind of putting the Eternals on notice. And then we have everything going on with the young Avengers and, you know, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus running around and putting together a team that we think is going to be the Thunderbolts. And it's all really interesting, but we don't know where it goes. Secret Wars basically answers all that in a lot of big ways, Uh, particularly the 2015 version um, that was written by Jonathan Hickman. So for those that don't know, um, just really, really quickly, basically what Secret Wars is, is... It, was, it came out of, I'm going to do a little bit of backstory here, but I yeah. think you'll see why in a minute if you've been watching the Marvel movies, particularly Doctor Strange, which came out on Disney Plus today. Um, so Secret Wars picked up, then this new one in 2015, picked up after the time runs out storyline in Avengers and New Avengers. And the time runs out storyline consisted of, stop me if you've heard this before, <laughs> um, there was a bunch of universes in the multiverse that were slamming together causing incursions. <laughs> And those incursions uh, would destroy planets, would destroy entire universes. And they were being stopped by the Illuminati, um, who were working together in secret to destroy all the other planets so that our, or all the other universes, so our universe wasn't destroyed. And then when everybody else came out, found out that was happening, they got really mad at the Illuminati. The Illuminati went on a run. It was the Avengers versus the Illuminati. Bunch of shit was going down. But while all that was happening, universes in the multiverse were still being destroyed. It came down to the ultimate universe and our universe, as John said, 616 and 1610, I believe. Those universes slammed together and every universe died. And pieces of every universe formed together into this planet called Battleworld. And (laughs) Battleworld had a little bit of everything. Like there was... It was like sort of like a mashup of everything that existed in all the universes kind of became this thing. And all the characters, our heroes had to suss it out, figure out what the fuck was going on and kind of save and reboot the universe. And in rebooting the universe, a lot of the characters from different universes that didn't quite fit, like we had Miles Morales in the ultimate universe, Mm -hmm. but he had become so popular that we didn't want to leave him there. So when we came out of the giant Secret Wars storyline, all of those different characters from different universes, or you might say studios, all of a sudden became one giant universe and lived together in harmony where they could all be in movies together forevermore. So if you look at what Secret Wars basically was about, um, and you look at what we've all been wondering about, like, well, where is Deadpool? How do the X-Men come in? Where are the Fantastic Four going to be? Are the, are the Disney Plus TV series or the old Netflix series, do they count? Are they going to be in the thing? How is it going to work? Well, if you're Kevin Feige and Marvel, you can say, well, we could just do Secret Wars and just slam everything together. Yeah. You know, use Kang the Conqueror and uh, what you know the multiverses and everything and just build to this giant multiversal war which will result in battle world and we'll have all of these characters together and they'll all fight. And when we come out, we'll have a universe that has whichever characters we want to keep there. So if we want X-Men, we want mutants, we want the fantastic four, we want daredevil, we want Jessica Jones, we want anybody, we can have them. So it does kind of seem like that would cover a lot of the mysteries and a way to bring them all together. Right. But that was, that was a more, that was a more um, detailed nerdy, 
yeah. backstory than I wanted to give, but that's that's yeah. basically what it is. Speaking of nerdy, I I haven't read, I didn't read the most recent one. I have the you know I have the original ones here, the original issues that I bought way back when. I found them when I was going when I was cleaning up and uh, rearranging things. You can tell here as I rearrange the studio. And I was going to dive into them, but then I, re- I thought, oh, maybe this is the more newer one. So I've got to pick that one up and, and, and go through it and see. Because you're right, Mike. A lot of what you're talking about feels very connected to what we've already seen in the MCU in all the phases, to be honest with you. It can connect up in some ways and uh, through all the phases here that could lead to where we're going to. And you're right. And it's almost like what they seem to be doing over at DC with the Flash movie, picking mm-hmm. and choosing who they want to be in the overall general universe and then kind of, you know, m- pushing everyone else aside. So we'll see how this uh, plays out. Because it, doesn't it separate into three different sections as well within secret wars what happens it's, there? well so the comics do yeah so the comics i believe yeah. it was like war zone battle world yes. and last days or something so basically okay. but like, like this is like what they what marvel does with crossovers so what marvel does with crossover what dc what every comic book does with crossovers is they give you right. the main storyline and then there's 95 other comics that you can read yes. that are peripherally involved so if you are confused and you just want to be like i want to know what goes on i would recommend yeah. Go and get the four trade paperbacks of Time Runs Out, which kind of compiles about a year okay. or so of Avengers and new Avengers. And yeah. you're going to start it. There's going to be a bunch of weird characters. You don't know who they are. Just stick with it for a bit. You'll figure out what's going on. Um, otherwise, you have to backtrack to the last like two years prior to that of Avengers, which you can do. But that four volumes of Time Runs Out kind of gears you up. It gives you the backstory of what had been going on with the Illuminati and what had been going on with the Avengers. They're at war with each other because of this whole incursion thing. And that leads into Secret Wars. And Secret Wars, if you just read the main, I think it's like nine issues or ten issues of the main storyline, you'll get the gist of it. If you really want to go deep and get all the War Zone stuff and the Last Day stuff, go to town, pick it all up. But the Secret Wars thing, I think, gives you a good... Solid story. Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom are a dead center of this story. Miles Morales plays a big part in it. Yeah. Um, but I think you'll really start to see where they could be going with a lot of this stuff. Yeah, so, so it seems like you said time runs out. Uh, you get the Avengers stuff, Avengers World, Miles Morales, the Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, number 12 there uh, from uh, 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 Brian Michael Bendis. Then Last Days. And look at the Last Days. You look at, you look at an, Ant-Man, an Ant-Man title, Black Widow title, Captain America, the Mighty Avengers title, Loki title. There is a Magneto title, a Ms. Marvel title, the Punisher, Silk, Silver Surfer, and Spider-Woman. So a majority of those are characters we've already seen here uh, in the MCU. So that's yeah. an interesting way to t- and, and, of course, Punisher now is officially on Disney+. Plus. So at some point, possibly well, canon here as we roll through this. And then, as you said, Battleworld. There's a bunch of titles with Battleworld as crazy as the Master of Kung Fu and Red Skull and ultimate end so there's a lot there and then war zones that you you're flying way out into the you're flying way out and i mean keep in mind like i don't think that what we are going to see is going to be any kind of direct adaptation like when you get into it's the same as when they adapt exactly when they adapt civil war when they adapt any of these storylines we get elements of it we get pieces of it we see where it was inspired so i think the secret war story and kind of the idea of the multiverse collapsing is where they're going to build from i think when we get to quantum mania and where Kang is the big villain and we find out what's happening, whether it is Kang who is trying to collapse the multiverse or what's yeah. going on. Like, I think there's going to be an issue of all of these universes that we saw balloon out at, yeah. at the end of season one of Loki are maybe crashing into each other. And this kind of like, then you see how cosmic beings like the Eternals yeah. and the Celestials could be important. You could see how the Ten Rings 
are tied to some alien race that might maybe knows more about the multiverse and what's going on. You can see how the young Avengers might have to come together in this Secret Wars event because there's yeah. no bigger Avengers and they're all going to have to step up to the plate. You can see all the things. So when Kevin Feige says, oh, it all seems pretty clear to me. I see something. <laughs> well, yeah, when you know where it's all going, you can go back and see. So I do think, I do highly encourage because we've got a while before any of this happens. So if you're kind of, you haven't been reading comics in a while, like I said, you're going to start uh, that Avengers New Avengers run and you're going to be like, I don't know who any of these fucking people are, what's going on. But get to like one or two issues in, then you get to like Old Cap and Sue Storm and Reed Richards and everybody, and you'll be like, all right, I'm kind of on familiar ground. And it does introduce you to a lot of really interesting ideas that I'm pretty sure, like as soon as I read what Kevin Feige said, and I'm not the only one, a lot of the articles were like, so Secret Wars. And I think Kevin Feige even said, probably with like a glint in his eye, like why is everybody talking about Secret Wars? I don't know. But I do have a feeling like it's one of the, it's one of the big stories in Marvel that is bigger than what they did in Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I find that, because there was also, a, back in the 1980s, 90s, there was a sequel as well to Secret War, Secret Wars 2, which had the Beyonder, I think, in it, and yeah. all of that. So it was crazy. Uh, so yeah, I would be surprised by this. But I mean, look, Secret Invasion isn't a small story to tell either, Mike, so I'm really surprised that they would follow Secret War, or Secret Invasion with Secret Wars, because Secret Invasion is going to be a lot to consume itself as well when we get to that by the end of the year. A lot of changes, a lot of um, wondering who's who's really on our side, who's not on our side, so to speak. So it's going to be fascinating to follow that up with Secret Wars just a little bit afterwards. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and keep in mind, like, I don't think the Secret Wars is right after. Like, when he says we know what right. the roadmap it's is, like, I think yeah. Phase 4 is setting a stage. Like, Phase 4 birthed the multiverse. I don't mm -hmm. think we're going to collapse the multiverse right away. Right. Just like with the Within Infinity the Saga. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Just like with the Infinity Saga, the Infinity yeah. Saga was three phases of Marvel. We yeah. knew a little bit earlier where they were going, but we might not get to Secret Wars until the end of Phase 5 or even Phase 6. Like, there's, there's a bigger thing at play here but when you start to see that roadmap it like okay it starts to make sense so i do think you're right i think secret invasion is a huge story and i think mm -hmm. that <clears throat> you know like i said i believe it is set or at least partially during the blip but i don't think that it necessarily gets resolved during the blip so i do think that even post blip we're going to see like there's just going to be the remains of like there's probably a lot of characters that we've seen since endgame yeah um who are potentially scrolls and have been scrolls the whole time and that was part of the fun of the secret invasion storyline is that you had this discovery through Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman, that scrolls had been impersonating superheroes. And then you went back and you looked through like the past year of comics and you were like, holy fuck. Yeah. This guy, this guy, this girl, this girl, they haven't been themselves this entire time. This explains so much. It's the whole Sharon Carter thing from uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Right. Like right. for so many of us, like we're like, everything that Sharon Carter is doing now feels a hundred percent wrong. Yeah. I have a feeling she's going to be a scroll. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Like, it made, there was so much made. I mean, I remember talking about it now when we were doing the reviews of was Sharon Carter blipped? Was she not right. blipped? We're not sure. Well, she showed up on the thing. Well, she said this. And if Secret Invasion is being uh, placed during the blip, yeah. those kind of questions become really, really important. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me ask you about this because, uh, you know, I, I do that show, The Hot Mic with Snyder, and Snyder's not the biggest Marvel guy because he just kind of focuses on non-superhero films as well himself. And they, and they, and they Wait, when they there are non-superhero films out there? 
What? And they announced the Wonder Man series, and we talked about it. And you know, I've talked about West Coast Avengers. I love Wonder Man. Wonder Man is such a great character in West Coast Avengers. I I, I got to go find my old West Coast Avengers somewhere in the, in the garage there and start rereading those. And he asked me. He said, "Do you think Marvel is overplaying their hand with the all these characters and all this stuff?" And and I've seen people online saying it's bullshit that I've got to watch WandaVision in order to understand Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Do you think those are the vestiges and the final cries of a different generation that doesn't understand that the newer generation is dialed into watching all this stuff and the synergy of all this stuff because they are they they have the time, they make the time, they want to be a part of this? Or do you think Marvel is kind of pushing the boundaries of how far they can go with all these TV shows and movies? And I mean, it wasn't that long ago, Mike, we were like, should there be, should Star Wars do two two movies a year? Now Marvel's doing like multiple movies and TV series in one year. So what do you think about this? I think the answer is yes to both. I think okay. that, I mean, I think that, I, I look, you are, look, we, box office and, uh, and money speaks for itself. We're in uh, the business of show and yeah. it's still a business. And so far, Marvel and Disney Plus and Disney are proving that that business works for them. Like, people can complain all they want. But the fact of the matter is, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness came out in theaters. And WandaVision and a couple other TV shows on Disney Plus shot up in viewing. Which means that people were doing what they wanted them to do. Like, that that is how that all works. And so, people are doing it and it's working for them. That is part of the synergy. I go Mm -hmm. to the movies. I see a movie. I go back and watch the Disney Plus thing. I watch the Disney Plus thing because I want to go see the next movie. Like, that's what the game that they're playing is. And so far, most viewers seem to be playing that game. It might not work forever. And yeah. maybe Marvel is overplaying their hand. Look, Marvel started doing what they were doing, and nobody had these giant shared universes. Like right. the idea, the, the right now we take it for granted. Marvel did twenty five movies that were all interconnected, and we ate that shit up. Yep. No one has ever done that before. It right. didn't exist before Marvel did that. Like you were lucky if you had a movie that had three or four f- movies in its world. Yeah. And at least two of them weren't garbage. Like, if you lived through, I love Alien movies and I love Predator movies, but holy shit, what was Alien 4? Predator 2 had some weird stereotypes. Aliens versus Predator was garbage. Like, you know, you just like, I love these franchises and they keep going. And so then Marvel comes along and does 25 movies and we're like, yeah, we're good. So are they overplaying their hand now with all of the characters that they're introducing, having all of these mysteries going at once, building the Young Avengers while they're building the Thunderbolts? And in the meantime, there's this big mystery and there's celestials in the sky and who are the Eternals and where have they been? Like, they absolutely could be overplaying their hand. Yeah, yeah. We'll find out when we find out where they're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm curious and I like it. I mean, you know, you don't get... um successful resting on your laurels and yeah sometimes you're going to strike out sometimes you're going to make you're going to take big swings uh and try you know and that's what excites people if you're going to take big swings if they kept playing it safe i think people would be tuned out the fact that they're excited and uh unsettled and uh horrified and also looking forward to things that's what you want the audience to be. Are they going to get it right? Are, and it's the same way you felt about Pixar for a long time, right? Yeah. When are they going to fail? When are they going to fail? How can they keep making so many great movies? Uh, and then occasionally they've kind of had some stumbles. And then, you know, you hope they get it back again. And we're seeing that with Marvel, too. There have been some complaints a lot during Phase 4. More than I've heard in other phases, for sure. There have yeah. been more complaints because the demands are higher. The expectations are higher now. So you've got to meet them at these higher levels. And so it's just pressure upon pressure upon pressure. 
And I'm hearing the Russo brothers are sniffing around Secret Wars, which well, the really Russo brothers, the Russo excited. brothers have said, I mean, when they were taught when they were coming out promoting Infinity War and Endgame, yeah. yeah, they were talking about Secret Wars. Good point. Yes. So like, like I mean, oh. and so this is where, and this is where Marvel, to your point about, are they overplaying their hand or not? And maybe they are, maybe they're not. If you're gonna build, I mean, think about it this way: even if you haven't read Secret Wars, just based yeah. on what I just said, to have Secret Wars work you have to have a bunch of different characters and storylines that all collide. Yeah. And so kind of where we are right now is we're watching this Marvel. We've got, well, I don't know what this has to do with this and what does this have to do with this because there's all these different teams and characters and storylines and I don't know where they go. Yeah. But if Kevin Feige comes out and says, hey, Secret Wars is coming and then the Russo brothers walk out and they're like, yeah, we got this one too, guys. We're all gonna be fine. Yeah. We're gonna lose like, we're like, okay, I don't give a shit anymore. Bring me the Russo brothers doing them on the, like I, I accept it. Like, you know, what we were saying that in the Duffer brothers, we trust yeah. in the Russo brothers, I trust. So Absolutely. it's like, great. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, there you go. That's our discussion. And that's our show for today. Thank you all so much for watching this episode of the Geek Buddies. We're going to look forward to Secret Rules. We're going to look forward to what Kevin Feige has gotten phase four here with these remaining. And I, when I read all those movies and TV shows, it's like, Jesus, there's still way more to come here before yeah. we have an even clearer picture. So there's all, so sit back and relax and enjoy it. Sometimes living in the unknown is a good thing. Try it out and we'll see what's coming for sure. But thank you all so much for watching this episode of the Geek Buddies. Uh, Michael, what do we have to tell them? Um, oh shit. If you want, oh God, I got to do this. Shannon do thing. I forgot do about this. No, no, no. I got it. I got it. No, oh, yeah, I can just read it. I got it. Get read it. Um, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, we are at geek underscore buddies at Instagram. We are at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you would like to follow Johnny is at the Roka says, if you would like to follow me, I am at MK tune. What else would I like to tell you? Well, I would also like to tell you that if you liked listening to us today, and if you did miss Shannon and you want to hear him back again, then I guess you have to keep watching and here's what you can do so that we keep talking you can hit that like button below you can subscribe to johnny's uh wrote see i can't do it all at once you can subscribe right. to johnny's outlaw nation page tons of amazing content leave your comments below about everything stranger things what do you think it's lego star wars what do you think ezra miller what do you think uh craven <laughs> the cuddly puppy what do you think um, and most importantly, what do you think about what we're talking about? Do you think it's Secret Wars? Where do you think Kevin Feige is going? Do you think that Marvel is overplaying their hand? Let us know in the comments below. If you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere podcasts are available, please leave us some stars and some comments so that we go up in the rankings and more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your social, send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. That's for sure. And what Michael said about the reviews is 100% right. We've been around for a while now. It's hard to believe we've been around for a few years. So please, if you're a new person or if you're an older person, create a new account and go and send us or go and post a new review for us because the older uh, podcasts sometimes get a little bit lost in the mix. So you got to help us keep staying up there for people to discover us all the time. And, and speaking of discovering things, please remember to discover Carbon Health if you haven't yet. They power and sponsor us here. CarbonHealth.com. Go and take get uh, uh, your healthcare needs addressed. Any concerns and questions you might have, Get them answered over there at carbonhealth.com. They have 125 locations nationwide, 80 locations in California alone. They got urgent care at all their locations, COVID testing. You can pick up antigen testing kits, kits in the clinic, primary care available. They think great healthcare should always be convenient and accessible. They're awesome people about that. They know your healthcare and health goals can change, even sometimes within the same day. And they go from routine to urgent care to anything in between. They have got you covered. 
uh, and they've got so many locations. And as I said, over 2 million COVID tests conducted. Uh, go get a checkup today and get that app. Put it on your phone. Get that Carbon Health app so you have a doc in your pocket for any healthcare questions that may come up or any healthcare situations that may come up throughout your day. Thank you all so much. Go and visit them at carbonhealth.com. All right, we're out of here. Y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. Don't forget, 7.30 p.m. PT tomorrow night, Thursday night. We'll be doing uh, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi spoiler review here on the Geek Buddies and the Outlaw Nation. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another episode from the Geek Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Mm-mm, not she. They, maybe? Wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often?